I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to the Lightning Round Podcast. The 53 cuts have happened, so we're here to talk about it. We're also here to talk about the Chargers MVP. We're going to do some predictions here. Uh, The Chargers MVP, we're going to do Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Breakout Player, uh, Comeback Player of the Year for the Chargers, the Chargers Rookie of the Year. We're also going to do record predictions. I am at Garrisisti. Jamie is at Lightning underscore Round. We've got two donations. We'll do a quick shout-out and get right to it. First donation is from Daniel. Thank you very much. We appreciate the general donation, or the generous donation, I should say to the beer fund so thank you daniel yep and thank you junius Lim, who said sorry for a long pause between donations you guys are simply amazing thank you for my weekly charger nugget appreciate you junius thank you daniel so let's go ahead and get right into these cuts that happened over the weekend we'll go ahead and run down uh who the chargers kept and we'll just talk about each position group we'll start with offense defense and then move on to special teams so let's go ahead and start with quarterback and uh we this is a group we had right it was Philip Rivers, Tyrod Taylor, and Easton Stick. Yeah, uh, we both picked Stick in the lead-up to the fourth preseason game. And then, of course, Cardell went out there and tore it up. Stink, stick stunk it up. 
there. I knew I was going to slip there. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I thought they were going to keep Cardell uh, based on the, the size and the arm talent and how much time they've invested in him and the obvious progression during the preseason. This was by far his best, his best, his best preseason. <laughs> I'm tongue-tied this morning. Um and they had kept him following far worse preseason performances, so I assumed he had done enough to earn the QB3 job. But it's obvious the team valued that fifth-round pick. They invested in Easton Stick. They decided there was more team control there. They There was more time to develop him, and there were traits that they preferred in Cardell. And they basically decided that Cardell had peaked. That, yeah, he might be able to go and be a you know kind of average starter at the very absolute best in the at the NFL level, probably best served to be a QB2. And if they think that Stick has more upside than that, then it makes sense to keep him. So I was surprised Cardell didn't didn't hang on the roster, but I'm glad that they decided not to burn that fifth-round pick, which I thought was all but a given after watching that Niners game. Yeah, we had talked about how close it was. And then, of course, the Niners game happened, and, and Stick really did not make a case for keeping him as a QB3. But... Uh, like you mentioned, the draft capital was very important to Tom Telesco and the Chargers, and it's just a little bit too little too late for Cardell Jones. Uh, two preseasons to show that he's had some progression, and he had none. In his third preseason action with the Chargers, he finally showed that he was starting to grow a little bit, show a little bit of that progression, but just a little bit too late. They drafted Easton Stick. He was going to be the developmental project for the future. And so they ended up keeping him. Of course, there was a case to keep Cardo Jones, but because there's, you know, that, that quote unquote upside with Easton Stick and, uh, the development that they, they like a lot, especially with the, uh, the legs and the arm strength. So there's a lot to like there for Stick. Uh, didn't look good in his preseason action, but he ends up sticking on the roster. And then we move on to running backs, and it is the three running backs we thought as well. It is Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Troy Main Pope. Uh, Pope obviously showed out this preseason. He had a uh, touchdown on special teams. He started off his first or second carry of the game against the 49ers with a 40-plus yard run. So he all all but sealed it there on that uh, carry. And he ended up beating out Dietrich Newsom, who the team ended up keeping on their practice squad, which is fine. And uh, so they end up keeping three. It's Eckler, Jackson, and Pope. Yeah, um, we had this right. I thought after watching that game that there might be an outside chance they might keep four backs. You know, we talked about it on the last podcast. Everybody just assumed they would keep four backs uh, when before we knew that Gordon was going to hold out. And they had, we saw Jeremy Cox, Dezrez Newsom, and uh, Derek Gore all shine behind Troy Main Pope in that fourth preseason game. So I thought there might be an outside chance they might keep fourth, but we a fourth running back, but we wind up getting our three right. I think they picked the right three. It wouldn't entirely surprise me if they make some moves in the next couple of days and maybe they wind up with Newsom on the roster going into the Colts game. But uh, nice to have him on the practice squad, and I think they wind up with the three best guys, at least in terms of who performed the best, the most consistently in the preseason. Yep, and then, of course, they kept Derek Watt at fullback, which uh, doesn't really warrant a conversation. So moving on to wide receiver, and this is one we did not get right, they ended up only keeping five wide receivers. It was Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman, and Jeremy Davis. Yeah, you know, I thought they might keep six. I figured adding Inman as the wide receiver four gave them some flexibility in keeping both Davis and Artavis Scott. Scott winds up getting cut. He, of course, wound up on the practice squad, yes, practice squad yesterday. Damn, how many times am I going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> um 
and they wind up keeping Jeremy Davis. And I see a lot of people on Twitter being frustrated with, well, Scott made more plays. He's the better wide receiver. Why didn't they keep him? And I think it really boils down to special teams contributions. This is somebody pointed out on Twitter, and it was a really good point. This is like what they've been doing with uh, Nick DeZubner for the last couple of years. Davis isn't likely to contribute much as a wide receiver. He might not even see the field very much as a wide receiver unless there's an emergency. But he is one of the team's probably two or three most valuable special teams players. He's a punt protector. He made a ton of special teams. I think he led the team in special teams tackles last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So they wind up keeping somebody who they know is going to contribute on special teams in a meaningful way, as opposed to keeping Artavis Scott, who wasn't going to return kicks, might be a little bit too slight to be a punt protector and be that gunner on special teams. And likewise, probably wasn't going to see much time as a wide receiver with the four guys ahead of him. So they bank on the on the special teams play. They wind up keeping Scott on the practice squad. So if they need him, they can always bring him back up, assuming nobody beats him to it. And uh, that's they wind up with that five. So we missed on Scott, but I think you start to understand a little bit why they kept who they kept when you look at those, you know, known quantities on special teams and how much they've struggled on special teams in recent years. Right. We thought there might be a chance to keep Scott because of the special teams value, but uh, it also hurts Scott in the case of keeping Troy Mayne Pope because he's got the returner experience. They don't need another, another returner outside of Pope when they've got guys like Des King and Travis Benjamin and guys who have returned kicks already. So uh, that hurts him in that respect. And, you know, it's not like the separation between Davis and, and Scott was so wide that you had to keep both of them, you know, that they both did so well that you had to keep both. It makes sense because they were kind of neck and neck throughout the preseason, and yes, Scott probably outperformed Davis, but Davis is the much more important player on special teams. Uh, the point about Nick DeZubner is well taken. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. He's uh, part of that special teams unit that's going to lose some guys that Anthony Lynn was talking about. Uh, you know, they're not going to have Austin Eckler anymore. Uh, he's not going to be on special teams, so they're going to need some of those guys. And uh, we'll talk about why they kept uh, another guy uh, in this linebacker group uh, when they shouldn't have. And uh, But, you know, they ended up uh, still keeping uh, Artavis Scott. He's on the practice squad. Andre Patton also made the practice squad of this group. Uh, much deserved. Uh, probably outperformed every wide receiver on the roster in the preseason. Some really good uh, catches in the preseason. And then, of course, they also kept Jason Moore, who flashed early on in camp, uh, was deathly quiet in the preseason. Preseason, I uh, thought a guy that would splash a little bit more in the preseason, but uh, saw enough in training camp that they ended up keeping Jason Moore. And so we move on to tight ends, and it is the three that we thought we got this one right too. It is Hunter Henry, Virgil Green, and Sean Colkin. Uh, we talked about this. I mean, once Andrew Volert went down, there wasn't really a competition here. They ended up keeping Matt Sokol. On the practice squad, a guy that made a, a few plays in preseason, but uh, a guy they think they might be able to develop. But uh, same three tight ends, a couple good blocking. Well, all, all of them are really good blocking tight ends, and uh, they, they've they stuck with three. Yeah, uh, you know, I was watching Culkin really carefully during the fourth preseason game, and he made a number of really nice blocks. Uh, some of those big runs to the left side were behind Culkin and Trey Pipkins and Forrest Lamp. So he looked really good as a blocker, and they really went out of their way to try to feed him the ball as a receiver in that game. Cardell missed on a couple of throws. There was one ball in the end zone that probably should have been caught, but it had a little extra zip on it. So Culkin progressing as a wide receiver, able to make an impact as a blocker, both in the run game and in pass protection, 
and able to contribute on special teams, as is Virgil Green. I think this is what you want out of your tight ends two and three. There is some upside there with Culkin. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Culkin maybe surpasses Green as a tight end two, just in terms of snap counts and you know getting those opportunities in the passing game uh, by by midseason or late season. So they like Culkin. He had kind of a breakout camp, and it makes sense that they keep him here. And it probably signals the end of the Antonio Gates area, barring an injury or something that that forces their hand. I know you keep bringing that up, but I know fans want to hear it. But, uh, yeah, that's that's all but dead right now. Uh, let's go ahead and finish up offense, and it is the offensive line. Uh, it's not a pretty one, but this is what they they uh, <laughs> landed with. <laughs> it is Trent Scott, Dan Feeney, Mike Pouncey, Michael Schofield, Sam Tevy, Forrest Lamp, the rookie third-round pick Trey Pipkins, and Scott Questenberry. Yeah, you got this group right. I had them keeping Spencer Drango just because his – because they're desperate and he can quote unquote, you know, theoretically play guard and tackle, but he was awful in San Francisco. So I have no problem with them cutting him. I'm happy <laughs> to be wrong on that one. He was brutal. Well, now hold on now. He ended up getting on the practice squad. So <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they, they kept, they kept Drango and they also kept Chris Brown. Both of yeah. them I thought were awful in the preseason. So mm-hmm. uh, not sure why they kept both those guys, but. Here we are. They're both on the practice squad. So I guess congratulations to them for still having a job. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is an alarming group. Hopefully, you know, this is a situation where we wind up with a starting interior trio at some point in the near future of Lamp, Pouncey, and Feeney. Uh, the tackle positions are very, very frightening. You know, Trent Scott started out really poorly in the preseason and I thought he got better as the preseason went on. Uh, Tevi started out poorly and got worse during the preseason. <laughs> <Yep>. mm-hmm. <laughs> and Pipkins was awful in the first preseason game and got steadily better and I thought was arguably their best tackle in the last two games of the preseason. Yep, agreed. So, and that, of course, uh, brought forth Anthony Lynn's revelation last week that Pipkins was still in in competition for one for both tackle jobs. So if it were me right now, just based on preseason performance and what we've already seen from Tevi during a couple of regular seasons here, I know this is going to scare people, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think it's the right way to go. I think they have to go with Scott and Pipkins as the starting tackles because Tevi scares the crap out of me, and I think ultimately the decision comes down to Tevi not being part of the future. And if that's the case, then you need to give those snaps to Pipkin because he's a guy who really seems like a sponge to me, as critical as we were of him early in the in the preseason, and he was deserving deserving of it. Uh, he got so much better over the last couple preseason games, and it's obvious that he's putting in the work and learning. There's still a lot of room for improvement, but the only places the only place where those improvements that he needs to make are going to happen is on the field. So I think they benefit more long-term from getting him on the field now, probably as the right tackle and having Scott as the left tackle and then doing whatever they can to try to help those guys with tight ends and running backs and just getting Tevi the hell out of there because Tevi spent the whole preseason chasing guys from behind. He was terrible. He was either on his heels, on his ass, or in the trail position the whole the whole preseason. Yeah, that's interesting that you'd want to flip them too. You don't want Pipkins at left tackle, Scott at right tackle. You want to flip that at Pipkins at right tackle and Scott at left? I mean, either way, you're kind of hamstringing yourself, but I'm not, you know, it's it's hard. I, I'm just not sure I want Pipkins protecting Rivers' blindside right now. Um, although he did look really good at left tackle, and he and Lamp worked really well together uh, in San Francisco. So I wouldn't be opposed to him playing left tackle, but I think maybe you have him learn at right tackle to get him ready to play left tackle. 
Uh, there's a bunch of different ways you could go. But either way, that combination of Scott and Pipkins, in my opinion, should be the starting tackle combo because Tevi should not be on the field. Um, and hopefully, like I said, if they wind up with Lamp as one of the starting guards, that will give them Schofield as kind of a utility lineman, give them a little extra depth at tackle considering they obviously don't see Lamp as an NFL tackle because he hasn't seen any snaps there despite the fact that they said he would leading into camp. So that's that's how I view that group. And hopefully, please, I'm praying, please, God, please answer my prayer. Let's go add somebody. I, I mean, at this point, anybody's an improvement. Go find a tackle. Please. They have to. They can't be comfortable with this group. No, no. And there were some uh, good veteran tackles that uh, ended up got – or not – I don't want to say good, but at least better, better. What they, than what they <laughs> currently have uh, out there. I think uh, – was it Greg Robinson? I think he ended up getting a pick back up by the Browns he did. earlier this morning. So he's off the list, but there's they got to get some help. And um, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think Trey Pipkins was absolutely the best Chargers tackle by the end of the preseason. He was god-awful and probably had the worst game of any tackle in that first game. But then as the games went on, he just looked better and better. I'm not quite sure I'd throw him out there, and I'm jumping ship on Sam Tevy. And uh, as much as I am already out on him as it is, I'm not quite ready to throw in the towel going into week one. So I understand what you're saying. I get it. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It feels like a lose-lose situation no matter what tackle you throw out there. So uh, I'm not happy with either of them. And I'd hate to see Lamp on the bench because he was the best offensive lineman among the whole group. Uh, just looked really strong. And if they're running out with uh, Schofield and Feeney again, who are really, really uh, having their troubles in the preseason, they had some good flashes. But Schofield in particular did not look very good. He was he was really inconsistent, which I thought he would look like the best offensive lineman, uh, but he, he was not. So... Uh, this group is troublesome, very troublesome, uh, a group they needed to address in the offseason. Uh, Trey Pipkins is not a guy that you really include as an addition because he's a developmental project that they talked about needed a year or two. So uh, in the future, for right now, for 2019, it uh, does not look good for uh, the, uh, this offensive line. So, you know, talking Tevi and Pipkins, and I'll just make this point again and then we can move on. I think I'm kind of looking this, looking at this almost as like an elevated version of Easton Stick versus Cardell Jones, where you know you've not only invested a pick in him, but you invested a third-round pick in him, which normally you would expect a third-round pick to contribute right away. He's played his way into some sort of playing time, and it's clear he's better than Tevi. So if he is the future, whether it's at right tackle or left tackle— and they seem to think he is. And if Tevi is not part of the future, which God help us if he is because he's awful, um, why not invest those snaps in a guy who you plan on being around for five or more years instead of giving them to a guy who is entering, I think, his third year and will be a free agent after next year and may not warrant re-signing even his depth. So you're basically burning snaps on him, on Tevi, if you throw him out there and you know going in that he's probably not part of your plans. That's that's the way I'm looking at it. Okay. All right. Well, then let's move on. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with defensive tackle. We'll go on the interior, and it is Brandon Meebane, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, Damian Square, and Cortez Broughton. Uh, this was a group that uh, I had right. I had one more defensive tackle. You had one more offensive tackle. Um, not a guy that really splashed as much as you'd hope. A uh, guy I was really excited about going into preseason. Uh, made a play or two, but relatively quiet throughout the four games of the preseason. So looks like they liked what they 
had in him when they drafted him, and it was enough kind of like Easton Stick, even though a seventh-round pick obviously isn't a fifth-round pick. But still, they saw enough in this draft pick and enough in Cortez Broughton that uh, they'll be able to develop something, uh, create some depth on the interior. Uh, they end up keeping fine me, Bain Jones, Tillery, Square, and Broughton. Yeah, I was surprised they kept Broughton. I, I liked him going into the preseason. He did splash a couple times, but I didn't think he was all that great or all that consistent. Um and I just figured there was no sense in keeping a guy who's probably going to be inactive all year anyway. So it wouldn't surprise me entirely if at some point they do add another player somewhere, maybe an offensive lineman, hopefully an offensive lineman, yeah. maybe a corner, something. And Broughton is one of those first guys to go try to be stashed on the practice squad late in the week after practice squads are full. So I'd kind of look out for that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's an interesting group. There's more upside in this group with, you know, with the additions of Tillery and Broughton, a little bit more upside. I know the team is really excited about Justin Jones. I didn't think he was all that great in the preseason. Flashed a couple times, but most of his plays were four or five yards downfield, uh, not really standing out, not really disrupting or penetrating or being that guy that you would expect from a three tech. I still think he's going to wind up being the long-term solution to replacing Mebane once they really evaluate things. Um, hopefully we see more and more of Tillery on the field. Uh, he, he splashed a couple times. Noticed on Thursday during the San Francisco game, looked like he was playing high quite a bit and getting driven off the ball. So for a guy who's 6'6", and as long as he is, he's going to have to really work on keeping that pad level down and staying low and behind his pads. Because if he's standing up, which he had a tendency to do in college, he's going to have a hard time creating uh, penetration and, and moving that pocket like he's supposed to. So, um, but, you know, certainly more upside and more to be excited about with this group than there have been in recent years. Um, just hopefully they get what they want out of Jones. Cause I'm just not sure he's the guy they think he is. Yeah, no, he did not look good in the preseason. And we kind of talked about that throughout the games. Uh, and then of course, Damian square being part of that group who, uh, we might see a lot at end. And with that end group on the depth chart, it is Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Isaac Rochelle, and the guy we went back and forth on it's Chris peace over Anthony Lanier. Yeah, so you got this group right. I had Lanier over Peace, but I, as I said during the show, they both deserved a spot. I wouldn't be too upset if one got this pot, the spot over the other. They wind up going with Peace, who's more of a Leo than a base end and is a little bit redundant with Ingram and, and uh, Nuosu already on the roster. But I get it. He's long. He's slippery. He gets around the edge in a hurry. Uh, there's a lot to like in terms of pass rushing, and I think this is a group that Gus can mix and match with. Moving guys inside and outside, having guys stand up, come through the A-gap. There's a lot of speed, a lot of explosiveness, a lot of opportunities to create negative plays in obvious passing situations with those subgroups on the field um, by having as many of those guys on the field as they can. So it's a fun group, and it should help create a lot of pressure off the edge. Hopefully the interior guys are helping to push that pocket to make their jobs easier. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we talked about it. We went back and forth on Peace and Lanier. Both of us wouldn't be upset if they went one way or the other, and they end up keeping both anyway. Anthony Lanier is on the Chargers practice squad, so either way, best of both worlds. They uh, get to keep both the guys, because, and they deserve it because they played their asses off in the preseason. Uh, Chris Peace with uh, two big sacks and uh, Anthony Lanier with uh, uh, consistently getting pressure and then also a big uh, sack on a two-point conversion in the Saints game. So then it's to the linebacker group. Uh, there's one extra name here that we did not have. It's Uchenna Nuosu, Kaiser White, Thomas Davis, the rookie Drew Tranquil, 
Denzel Perryman, Jatavis Brown, the other rookie, Emeka Egbule, and Nick will not die to Zubner. <laughs> Which of these men does not belong? <laughs> One uh, of these men are not <laughs> like the other. <laughs> um, yeah, I was surprised. You know, you, you look at what they did with the Zubner and by leaving him on the bench in the playoffs when they were de- in desperate need of linebackers and they opted to play seven defensive backs instead of putting DeZubner on the field in the playoffs. Then they steadily and quickly rebuild the linebacker group with a ton of athletes and a ton of talent. And you just look at it and you figure DeZubner's day has come because he's so one-dimensional. Now they've got multiple linebackers who can play defense and special teams. Why keep him? And then Nick, I guess, is part of that right 53, not part of the best 53 because he's probably not even one of the best 60 players on the roster, and he winds up making the 53. So eight linebackers seems like overkill with the depth and versatility they have in the seven guys ahead of him on the depth chart. I'm hoping, again, like with Broughton, I'm hoping that their plan is to bring in somebody, maybe an offensive lineman, maybe a corner or something. Um and maybe move to Zoomer to the practice squad or just end it because, I mean, you know, to me, you've got guys like Tranquil and Agbule and, um, and Jatavis Brown. Roderick Teamer. Roderick Teamer. All those guys need special team snaps. They all are better athletes. They all have a, a better chance of making plays. And I get that DeZubner is kind of one of those glue guys. You know, he works hard. The coaches love him. He does the dirty work. He does whatever they ask him to. That's all great and dandy, but he just isn't a very good football player. Uh, and at some point, you need better football players on the roster. So hopefully this will work itself out. Um, I don't think they need to carry eight linebackers. If you want them on the practice squad, fine. I, I get that. Um, but the final seven that they go into the first game of the season with does, should not include Nick, Nick DeZubner, in my opinion. Yeah, and this is what I was kind of talking about a little bit earlier where uh, guys like Austin Eckler aren't going to be part of special teams who are very important to this special teams unit that has been improved in the last few years. And uh, this is another guy that's a key cog in that special teams unit, and here he is back on the team. We didn't think they really needed him with all these athletes they have and the way a lot of these guys have already played. Uh, He's not going to be making uh, any splash on defense and Honestly, if there's another addition to this team, he should be the first one to go. And uh, if you want to keep on the practice squad, like you mentioned, I don't know if he can, but regardless, it it doesn't matter. He's not as important. Uh, He's the last guy. He's the 52nd player to make it on this team, as far as I'm concerned. Like Cortez Broughton, could be a guy you can swap out at any point. So they keep DeZubner again. We got this wrong. Um, Surprise is a word. I would say a little bit disappointing as well. Not you know he I'm sure he's a great guy nothing personal but it just it there's no real uh, upside to keeping a guy like this and he's not going to have much of an impact on this team. Yeah, I mean you know if you get down to the eighth guy and it's Nick and you need a linebacker they're not going to run him out there because they've already shown they don't trust him out there. So no, they'll pick up Hayes Pollard he, for the third time. <laughs> yeah, I mean if they it, you know if you don't trust a linebacker to play linebacker, why is he on the roster? Pretty simple. It's not not personal against Nick. Yeah. He's worked hard. He's had a nice four-year career. I'm sure he could go catch on with somebody else as a special teams player, but this is not a team that needs him anymore with the the additions they've had in terms of athleticism at the linebacker position. It's just not necessary. Yep. All right, so let's go on to this DB group. And for corners, it is five. It's Casey Hayward, Michael Davis, 
Desmond King, Brandon Faison, and Trevor Williams. Now, uh, we didn't have this right, but we said if Trevor Williams is healthy, he'd probably make the roster. So I guess we could take, technically take the loss on this, but uh, you know, there was kind of a caveat because we didn't know how healthy Trevor Williams was or wasn't because the team never let on to, you know, if he was ready to come back or not. So it seems like uh, Trevor Williams is probably close to returning soon. Uh, I know that uh, Lynn was talking about how some injuries take longer for some players and other players when referring to Trevor Williams seemed like he was a little bit annoyed with his nagging injury so didn't think that they would end up keeping him because it sounded bad but ultimately it sounds like it's not as bad as it was uh face on you know did enough on special teams last year to earn a spot Hayward Davis King were already locks to make this roster anyway so the only guy that we didn't have was Trevor Williams we had Jeff Richards and to be honest uh he was not fun to add to any list so glad that jeff richards isn't part of it Uh, trevor williams is that fifth corner yeah hopefully we're uh hopefully this is a sign that trevor is on the mend and is close to returning because they certainly need him out there this was a cornerback group that didn't have a lot of depth in camp none of these guys played very well uh i certainly wouldn't say jeff richards earned the spot that we had given him in our 53s we just didn't think that trevor had either and it seemed like the team was losing patience with Trevor's continued nagging injuries. So hopefully he's on the mend. Hopefully he'll be on the field. Fingers crossed he works his way back into the rotation at corner and plays well. That would be helpful because there's not a lot of quality depth or proven depth behind the top three corners on this roster right now. So they need, they're going to need him to, to step up and play if this corner group is going to hold up. Yep. And then uh, to finish it out for on defense, it was Jalen Watkins, Rayshon Jenkins, Adrian Phillips, Roger Teamer, and Nasir Adderley. Initially, they had Derwin James, but they placed him on the IR. They re-signed Jalen Watkins, who they originally cut. So now it's the group of five that we had originally thought it was going to be. Yeah. um, I kind of thought they might find a way to keep Watkins anyway. Maybe go in with six safeties and then move Derwin off the roster um, onto the IR when they needed to. But, you know, it works out the way we thought it would. And I think it's a good group. You've got guys like... Watkins and uh, Teamer, who can contribute on special teams. Uh, Watkins and Adderley are also able to move around and play multiple positions. So there's a lot of versatility there, which might be why they're comfortable with their cornerback group because you can play a Watkins or an Adderley at a slot position or outside if you need to in, in a in a pinch. So there's a lot of things they can do, a lot of pieces they can move around, a lot of versatility there. It's obviously it's not as good of a group as it would have been without James. Nobody's saying that, but. I think, you know, they can kind of assimilate some of his production uh, in terms of coverage and, you know, tackling and things like that. They're going to lose some of that pass rushing ability, obviously, and some of the other special things that Derwin does. But I think they'll be okay without him. Um, you know, not whole, but not not a gaping hole either. Yeah, and it's nice to see Roger Teamer make it. Uh had a very good off season, uh, good preseason, showed a lot on special teams as well. And uh, I would look for Jalen Watkins to make the special teams at some point. He was a really good and uh, key contributor for the Eagles a, a few years ago during that Super Bowl run. So a guy that I didn't see a lot of special team snaps in the preseason, but a guy that should definitely earn some snaps um, during the season. So uh, look for that. But, you know, a versatile group, a group that's going to be playing around a lot. You're going to see Adrian Phillips, of course, his nickel-dime linebacker spot as well. Uh, you'll see Rayshon probably go from strong safety to free safety if they need him. Jalen Watkins can do a lot. Nasir Adderley can do a lot. So there's a lot of different players that uh, are very versatile. And Nasir Adderley in that 49ers game really showed 
out. So uh, that's a player that's going to be making this um, this starting lineup sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, Adderley was fantastic in that fourth preseason game. I mean, the speed, the range, the ball skills, the instincts, everything just looked great. He was flying in, making tackles. If he didn't make the tackle, he was the next guy there. Uh, he looked, uh, the instincts in particular, I thought, were really impressive for a guy who I thought when he first moved to safety at Delaware, kind of struggled with the instincts a little bit, was late with some reads, got beat deep a few times, but he looked really, really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him. If not as a starting free safety, maybe moving him around, having him play some slot, some nickelback, you know, moving him around and, and giving creating matchups with him and seeing if he can fly around the field and make some plays, kind of kind of uh, replacing that uh, roaming position that, that Derwin played a little bit. And it's very fitting that there's birds chirping in the background. It's very tranquil while you're talking about Nasir Adderley. So it's the perfect <laughs> soundtrack to talking about how good Adderley was. <laughs> uh, and so special teams, there isn't really much to talk about here. Uh, Cole Mazza was going to be the long snapper once Wint was cut. Ty Long takes over the punter duty. He's going to handle punting, kickoff, and holding, which is great. And, of course, Michael Money Badgley is the kicker. Uh, no real competition there either. Yeah. The three, the three guys that we thought would wind up in these spots, I like the fact that they wound up with one guy to handle the punting duties, the kickoff duties, and the holding duties. Um, so that all works out. Gave them maybe an extra spot or two to work to – obviously it gave them an extra spot to keep to Zubner, so maybe not such a great thing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it works out well from a roster construction standpoint to have Ty Long be able to handle all those things. Mazo was good in the preseason. Badgley – he didn't look great in camp, but he was better in the preseason, so good, solid group to start with. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on. The season's coming up. Uh, week one is upon us, and we're going to make some predictions before the season starts. We're going to talk about MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Breakout Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and the Chargers Rookie of the Year, and then we'll get into record predictions. So we're just going to fire through these, uh, give a little synopsis of why we think uh, one player will win in each category, and we'll just go back and forth on this. So I'll throw it to you, Jamie. Uh, who do you think is going to be the Chargers 2019 Dash 2020 MVP. Got two guys in mind here. Um, two pretty obvious picks. I think I'm going to go with Joey Bosa. I think having him fully healthy and ready to go to start the season, uh, that defense is going to look light years difference than it did even with him in there at the end of last year. Uh, and it should help some of those interior guys play well because he'll be drawing double teams. So I think having Bosa back is huge, and I have him as my 
Chargers team MVP this year. I would love it. And uh, I'll probably go with the other guy that you were thinking of, and it's Phillip Rivers. Yep. I think there's going to be games this year where that running back group is going to really, really struggle. And I think early on it will. And I think Melvin Gordon will have those type of games where he's on Twitter going, hey, I told you so in an indirect way, like you need me, uh, because the running back group won't get going. But uh, I've got Phillip Rivers as the MVP. I think it's going to depend a lot on his arm in a lot of these games this season. So I'll have Phillip Rivers as the team's MVP. Uh, so defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with the guy you were just talking about, Joey Bosa, having him fully healthy, uh, ready to roll. This defense is going to win them games, and so they're going to depend on guys like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and a lot of these guys to get after the quarterback. And I think Joey Bosa is going to have his best year yet in his third year in the league. So I've got Joey Bosa as the defensive player of the year. I also have him as the defensive player of the year. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> it was very easy. <laughs> All right, let's just move on to Offensive Player of the Year then. You already talked about why he's going to be MVP, so he's got to be Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. Uh, I already gave my reasons, so we'll move on to Offensive Player of the Year. And uh, You might think I'd go with Rivers here, but I have another guy in mind, somebody who I think people are forgetting about because he wasn't around last year, and that's Hunter Henry. I think uh, in the times when the, when the running game struggles a little bit, I think you're going to see a lot of chunk plays in the middle of the field from Hunter Henry. I think he and Mike Williams are going to be the primary targets in the red zone. Obviously, having Hunter back to block, pass protection, and in the running game is going to be a huge help. I think this is a guy, everybody is just assuming that Mike Williams is going to have, you know, 85 catches and 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns. And I think people are forgetting that a lot of those touchdowns Mike had were because Hunter wasn't around. And a lot of the catches that Mike had were because Hunter wasn't around. And when people ask me, Who's going to pick up where Ty Williams, Tyrell Williams left off? It ain't Travis Benjamin, and it ain't uh, Dontrell Inman. It's Hunter Henry. A lot of those catches are going to go to Henry. So Henry is my offensive player of the year. You know what? I, and this is wild because I've got Rivers as MVP, but I was going to say Hunter Henry too. And I think Hunter Henry <laughs> leads the team in touchdowns. I think he leads the team in red zone targets. I think this is the year that Hunter Henry finally breaks out. He's going to finally have a healthy season. Uh, he's damn well hungry after what happened last year. So I think Hunter Henry is just going to be a, an absolute monster this year for the Chargers. And I think you forgot one key thing. He's probably going to lead the team in third down catches too. Oh, absolutely. That's a given. Yeah. No, huge red zone weapon. Going to be a huge third down weapon as well. All right. So breakout player of the year. I've got two names in mind. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Kaiser White. I think this is the year that Kaiser White just goes apeshit. Uh, he looked really good in the preseason, looked really good before he got injured last year. Uh, he's going to come out firing this year, uh, really going to help. He's going to get a lot of minutes on the uh, starting defense, and they're going to move him around a lot. I've got Kaiser White as the breakout player of the year for the Chargers. Uh, I had three guys in mind. White was one of them. Henry was one of them, and I've already used him for offensive player of the year. So I'm going to go in another direction, and this is somebody who – isn't currently slated to be a starter, but I think he will be by the end of the year. And I'm going to say my breakout player is Forrest Lamp because I think he was the best offensive lineman throughout the preseason. I think if he doesn't begin the season as a starting guard, I think he will work his way in early enough in the season that he's going to make a huge impact. He's the strongest offensive lineman on this team. He's the best run-blocking offensive lineman on this team. Uh, he is probably the best pass-blocking offensive lineman on this team. So I think he makes a huge difference. I think getting him on the field and getting Schofield off the field makes a world of difference for this offensive line. So my breakout player 
and I, I would have loved to go with Kaiser White, but I'm just going to go in a different direction here because you beat me to it. But I'm going to go with Forest Lamp. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next one, I think I'll know the answer to already. Uh, but uh, talk to me about your comeback player of the year. Yeah, it's Hunter Henry. <laughs> Do I need to say anything else? No, no. He's the <laughs> offensive player of the year for both of us. So, yeah, he's the comeback player of the year. So let's move on. Chargers rookie of the year. It's Nasir Adderley. Yep. I think so. I think, it, you know, everybody's going to pick Tillery, but I think it probably comes down in terms of pure impact. I think it comes down to Adderley and actually Drew Tranquil. Um, and my guess is is that Adderley is going to make more game-changing plays on the back end. So I would go with Adderley. Um, I just think he's going to be – my, my opinion – I already liked him, but my opinion of him increased quite a bit watching him in that preseason game. So I think he's going to be all over the place and making plays left and right forcing turnovers and giving the Chargers some really good field position. Yeah, no, he, he looked like a star in that fourth preseason game. And I know there was a lot of scrubs playing for the 49ers there, and maybe he should have made a little bit more impact than he did, but he was so impressive and uh, he's going to get his hands on a lot of footballs this year, especially with how good we think Joey Bosa is going to be this year. So uh, with yep. a lot of that added pressure from Bosa and Ingram, uh, Adderley's going to get his chances. And I think, I think you're absolutely right though. I think it goes, Adderley, and then uh, second up, Drew Tranquil, and then Jerry Tillery. So I think Tranquil is going to play more early, and he's going to make a huge impact on special teams, and he's going to wind up working his way into some sort of rotation at linebacker. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if when they're in nickel and they have two linebackers on the field, you wind up seeing uh, some combination of uh, Kaiser White and Tranquil in nickel just to give Thomas Davis a break. So I, I think... Those two guys are going to have a huge impact on this defense. Yeah, no, uh, definitely agree. Okay, here we go. This is it. What everybody's been waiting for, everybody asks it for it every year. We give it to you every year. I don't know why you keep asking because we always give it to you. Uh, we are going to do record predictions. We're going to go back and forth. Uh, we'll tell you the record, uh, where whether we think they're going to win or lose each game. We'll go through every game this season, of course, except the bye. So let's go ahead and get into it. Week one, Jamie, coming up this Sunday, they're playing the Indianapolis Colts at home. Uh, this is a win for me. Uh, I probably would have picked them to win this game even if Andrew Luck were playing, but he's not. And I just think that defensive line, Ingram and Bosa and all those guys are going to just rip up Jacoby Brissett. Um, and I think the Chargers will put up some serious points against that Indianapolis defense that was exposed pretty badly in the playoffs against the Chiefs. So... I think there's a lot they can do to expose them to create matchup problems. I think this is a game where they will probably run the ball pretty well because Indianapolis doesn't have a very stout interior defensive line. Uh, and I think Rivers is probably going to pick that secondary part. So I would expect big numbers. I have the Chargers winning this game. Yep, same here. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I had the Chargers winning this game even with Luck under center. With Jacoby Brissett, I don't think it's uh, all that close. I thought it was going to be closer with Luck, but uh, this is a definite win for me. I've got them winning against the Colts in Week 1. And then going on to Week 2, they travel to Detroit, and I've got them winning this game as well. Uh, kind of a team in flux, uh, not really going anywhere with Matthew Stafford. Uh, a lot of teams are kind of going all in to try to win now. Lions are just kind of coasting. Uh, picking up TJ Hawkinson helps the offense, but uh, nothing much going on with that defense as much as you'd like. So I've got them winning in Detroit in Week 2. I also have them winning in Detroit in Week 2. I think you can force mistakes out of Stafford. I don't think that defense is what people expected it to be when Matt Patricia took over. I think this might be a bit of a high-scoring game, but I do think 
the Chargers wind up winning one on the road here. Okay, week three, they go back home. The Chargers play the Houston Texans in L.A. Uh, this is a tough one because I feel like Deshaun Watson has that it factor, and you're always worried when they have the ball. But I feel like this defense got a whole lot easier to handle with Clowney leaving. So I'm going to pick I – have, I have loss written down on my sheet, but I think I'm going to pick a win here and a close one at home. I think the Chargers will do enough to pull it out. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> we're going to differ here. I think they lose this game, and I think it's it's right on the edge there, and I would kind of go back and forth like you are, but I'm just going to go in. I think they end up losing this game. I think Deshaun Watson gets a lot of yards on the ground. I don't think they're able to contain him. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to have a good game. I absolutely agree with you. They're much easier without Clowney. Uh, what they were doing in that trade, I have no clue. Uh, they pick up Laramie Tunsil, so the offensive line improves a little bit, but it's still not good enough. And that's why I think uh, uh, Watson's going to be scrambling for his life. And I think he ends up uh, getting a touchdown on a run, and I think it's going to be too much for the Chargers to handle. And they end up losing in Week 3. So then we move on to week four, and they travel to Miami against the Dolphins. This is just too easy. This is a team in rebuild mode, traded away all their assets, uh, just trying to get picks at this point. They're playing for Tua right now. They're tanking for Tua. Uh, they don't care about the season, and they will take the loss because they want it because they want the first pick in the draft. So the Chargers win this one easily. I've got them 3-1 and one at week four. Uh, yeah, they're going to kill Miami. Miami's terrible. No offensive line, really no quarterback. Uh, the defense is in flux, so I have them definitely winning this game. I think they'll win it pretty handily. It'll be a nice, nice fat road win for the Chargers. So I have them 4-0 and to start the season. And then the Chargers travel back home. They get their first division game against the Denver Broncos in Week 5, win or loss. This is a tough one. I think the Chargers should beat Denver, uh, but that defense with Chubb and Von Miller against this offensive line scares the hell out of me. So I have them losing, even though they're, I think they're better than Denver. I just think they're at a point where the offensive line is still in flux. They're not going to be able to block uh, Chubb and Miller, and Phillip's going to be running for his life, and it'll probably look a lot like the home game against Denver last year where they have a chance to win it at the end, but they just can't protect Phillip. I don't know if, if Rivers in a, is ever in a state of running anymore. It's more of a, a light well, jog, so he'll be jogging for his life. Shuffling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this this scares me. Uh, the Denver duo of Chubb and Miller scare me, and uh, I've been looking for this matchup all season long because it's going to be trouble. Those two are really talented, but I still have them winning this. I just think the uh, Denver. I just think the Chargers are too talented, and I think they end up winning this game. Um, even though it's going to be closer than it should, I've got the Chargers winning against the Denver Broncos. And then at week six, they stay home and they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, uh, the Chargers had to come back from behind to beat the Steelers last year. I think it's going to be a little bit easier this year. I think it's going to be close, but I think the Chargers end up doing a stop on a fourth down to end up winning it in the red zone. So I think this comes down to the last play of the game, but the Chargers end up winning. And the defense gets a stop. You know, I went back and forth on this one, too. I initially had them winning. Um, but just thinking about that offensive line, I'm just not sure it's going to be in a state to protect Rivers. And Pittsburgh always has some exotic blitzes um, dialed up when they play the Chargers. I also think that, you know, you watch the way that the Ravens attack them with those pick stunts and things. 
and when they played them in the regular season last year, I just think Pittsburgh's going to have some creative things up their sleeve and they're going to make it tough on Phillip. I do think it'll be close, but I think the Chargers were kind of lucky to beat Pittsburgh last year. So I've got I've got Pittsburgh winning this game. So for me, the Chargers are four and two through six games. Okay. I've got uh, one more win than you do. So week seven, they go on the road and they play the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is a win for me. Uh, I don't think there's really any doubt about it. I think um, the Titans don't really have a quarterback right now. Their offense is kind of dink and dunk. They don't have a lot of weapons on offense uh, besides the running game. And I think the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball and score points and stop the stop the Tennessee offense. So I think the Chargers win this game. Yeah, and I think it's not as close as it was in London last year. I think the Chargers win this game. Uh, yeah, Mariota isn't uh, quite what everybody had hoped. Uh, it's very dink and dunk offense. Uh, Derrick Henry is fine, but uh, not enough to push them to a win in Week 7. So I have them winning against the Tennessee Titans. And then they go to Chicago in Week 8. They go back-to-back road games, and I have them losing in Week 8. I think the Chicago defense is just too much. I don't think the Chargers can handle them in Week 8 on the road against Chicago. I just don't think it happens, and I think they end up losing, and the Chicago defense takes over that game, and they end up losing. You know, I keep going back and forth on this one too. Uh, My initial thought was they might lose. Then I wrote down that they would win, and I think the thing that I keep coming back to is I'm not sure that I trust Mitchell Trubisky yet. I think the Chargers offense, the Chargers defense can give that Bears offense, which is still pretty pedestrian most of the time, some serious fits. I think they can force some turnovers and get some short fields. So I actually have them winning this game. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be sloppy. It'll probably play out a lot like the Tennessee game did last year and some of the other games where they didn't play real well. They kind of sleepwalked through most of the game and they figured out a way to put it away. I think that's what this is going to look like. So I have them winning, and for me, they are 6-2 and two through the first eight games. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Week 9, and they go home and play the Green Bay Packers. I have them winning this game. Um, I know Aaron Rodgers is amazing and special, but I feel like they're going to have a hard time running the ball against the Chargers. The Chargers should be able to get after Rodgers because their offensive line has really never been very good for Rodgers. And their defense, even when it's supposed to be good, it usually sucks. And I've heard people saying that that Green Bay defense might be the strength of the team this year. Uh, they lost uh, Clay Matthews in the offseason. Uh, I think they let their other pass rusher go. I'm blanking on his name. Nick Perry, the kid from USC, I think he left too. So uh, I have them winning this game. It probably won't be easy. It might be kind of high scoring, but I, I do think the Chargers win this game. They lost Clinton Dix too this offseason. Yep. But – um. Yeah, no, I I got the same thing. I've got them beating the Packers. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is on the way down. Seems like every year everybody's pushing for him to be a a lock to make the playoffs. And every year there's some kind of injury or something happening where they just don't make it. So I've got the Packers losing, the Chargers winning. And so we move on to Week 10. The Chargers travel to Oakland, and here comes the run of division games here towards the end of the year. Uh, In Week 10, I've got them beating the Oakland Raiders. I don't think they're any good. I think they're better than last year. But I think Gruden's got this team going in the wrong direction. Uh, Antonio Brown uh, helps, but I don't think it's enough to win. And I've got them beating the Raiders on the road. I also have them beating the Raiders on the road. I think the Raiders are going to be a mess this year. They've got so many cancerous personalities on that team i just don't see how they mesh i think gruden is overrated as a coach he was always overrated as a coach 
Um, so I think the Chargers win this game. All right. Week 11, right before the bye, they play the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Isn't that the Mexico City game? I believe so. Yeah, that's the Mexico City game. Um, I have them losing this game. Uh, I think the way that the Chiefs went about kind of rebuilding their their defense, they're going to have an easier time covering the Chargers. I think they still struggle blocking Chris Jones, who absolutely blew up that offensive line in both games they played against them. Um, And I just worry about how they handle all of Kansas City's weapons. So I think it'll probably be a high-scoring game, but I think they lose this game in the end. Yeah, I'm with you here. I don't think they win this game. I think they end up losing. Uh, They've had such issues with Tyreek Hill, and I think it happens again, and I don't think they end up winning this game. Uh, It's going to be really tough. I I don't think Mahomes is going to be as good as he was last year, but I think he's still going to be good enough to get them in the playoffs. So I've got them losing this game against the Chiefs, and then they get a nice little rest, and they've got a sour taste in their mouth in Week 12, going into Week 13 to travel at Denver, and I've got them winning this game. They've got uh, you know some revenge to make up from losing going into the bye week. They've got an extra week to rest up, and they take on the Broncos, and I think they win a tough game on the road that's never easy at mile high. So I got them winning Week 13. I also have them winning Week 13. I think later in the season the Broncos are going to be realizing that um, Joe Flacco is not a very good quarterback. They're going to be struggling to score points, and I think the Chargers will have figured out their offensive line by this point in the season and made some tweaks. So I have I have the Chargers winning this game too. All right. So uh, here we go. We're getting close to it. We've got four more games here. Uh, week 14, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they travel on the road. I have them winning this game. I'll admit the Jacksonville defense scares me a little bit, particularly the front seven. Um, but I have them winning this game. I, I think Nick Foles and his magic in Philly is a little overhyped. Uh, I think the coaching staff in Jacksonville is the primary hindrance with all the talent they have there. And I think the Chargers outcoach the Jaguars and they find a way to win that game on on the road. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they force multiple turnovers in that game and put up a big point total. Uh, with Nick Foles kind of running for his life from the Chargers pass rush. Yeah, another team that uh, had to do some uh, some contract dumps this offseason, so they lost uh, a lot of players. And uh, though they're still going to be good on that defense, I don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, Nick Foles is not as good as everybody thinks he is and uh, definitely didn't deserve the contract that he got. So I say the Chargers win this game at Jacksonville. Um, I don't think the Jaguars are actually going to be all that good this year. So then, in Week 15, they go back home, and the Chargers play the Minnesota Vikings, and I think they lose this game. I think uh, between uh, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, the Chargers have a hard time containing both of those guys, and I think that Dalvin Cook shreds them on the ground. I think they end up losing this game against the Vikings at home. I think the off- the Vikings offense, it's going to be a shootout, but the Viking offense uh, ultimately ends up pulling through and winning this game, so the Chargers lose in Week 15. Yeah, I think this is a tough road game. Uh, it's at home. You can always count on Minnesota to have a solid defense. They're always going to get after the quarterback. Their secondary is strong. I think this is a defensive group that is primed to make things difficult for Rivers and the Chargers. I have them losing a close one on prime time, even though I don't like Kirk Cousins and I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I think that defense will make some plays for Minnesota and put them in position to score some short field touchdowns. I think the Chargers lose. 
All right, two more division games, and then we wrap up the season. Week 16, they finish up their season series with the Oakland Raiders at home. They'll win this game. Yeah, same here. They're going to they're gonna sweep that series with the Oakland Raiders. Let's go ahead and go on to Week 17, last game of the season, and they got to travel to Kansas City and play the Chiefs in Arrowhead for a game that's going to be pivotal for that division, I'm sure. Yeah, this this is a game that could wind up deciding the division at the end of the year. And of course, it has to be in Kansas City. Um, I know they won in Kansas City last year. Uh, it was a great game. I think, again, they were maybe just a little bit lucky to win that game, uh, even though they definitely outplayed the Chiefs in the second half. Uh, I think they lose this game. I think between going to Kansas City, playing that talented team, more than likely playing in horrible, icy, snowy conditions, uh, I just think this team is going to struggle, and I think they will probably lose this game. So I have them going 11-5 and five on the season and probably looking at another wild-card appearance for the Chargers. Same here. I've got them losing at Kansas City. The win total for me is 11-5. and five. We took different routes to get there, but uh, we both have them finishing 11-5, and five, uh, losing that game in Kansas City, which means the Chiefs get the division. They get the AFC West crown, which means the Chargers then get one of the wild cards, and uh, they'll have to play an early wild card playoff game to start off their playoff run. So that's it. We got it. We both have them at eleven and five. I thought uh, they were going to be higher for you for sure, but uh, you know we got them losing one less game, which isn't too bad. Not bad at all. So uh, that does it for us. Thanks, guys, for listening. We're heading into the season, week one coming up this weekend. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter. Jamie at Lightning underscore Round, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.